Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. don't think Dr. David Wood needs any introduction here at our church. If I'm not mistaken, I believe he uh, said yesterday that our church is, uh, out of the churches that support him, is if is the longest, if not one of the longest um, churches that have faithfully been behind them in his evangelistic ministry. And uh, I'm honored for that. Amen. And so he's no stranger around here. You grab your Bibles, get ready to hear some good instruction from the Word of God. Preacher, you come and give us what God has put on your heart. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. Thank you. Stand up with me for just a minute, would you? It's good to see you this morning. Everybody feeling right? Yes. I had a lady came to me again. I told the folks yesterday when we started, how many remember how we started yesterday? Anybody remember how we started? Very first thing we did. Nobody remembers? Oh, I cannot believe that. So we may as well do it anyway, right? But I had a lady came. She must have, and she didn't raise her hand. Said, would you start today like you did yesterday? So I'll do it. This is Sunday school. Is it all right to be happy in Sunday school? Yes, sir. Amen. Is it all right to smile in Sunday school? Yes. Is that okay? Yes, sir. Now, I know you can't do that in preaching and be a Baptist. You've got to act dead and, and, and be a good Baptist in preaching. But in Sunday school, we can smile. What is our textbook? If it's school, our textbook is what? How many of you have a textbook with you? Yes, sir. All right. Good. Now, here's what I had people do yesterday. We may as well start this way because it's good to smile. Turn around, look at somebody close to you and say, you know what? You're the best looking person I've seen all day. No Would you do that? Just turn around and look at somebody like that. Now, how many of you remember that? There you go. <laughs> all right. Now, slow down over here a little bit. All right. <laughs> no, you don't want to do it. I tell you, when that's a tough thing to do is when you got teenage boys. Yeah. Would I be right? You got about 20 teenage boys sitting at a camp. You don't want to tell them boys they go like they ain't gonna do that. And that's a good thing. Well, thank you. Be seated. Open your Bible with me. We're gonna do the in, in uh, Sunday school this morning. Try to do something that I hope will be beneficial. I need you to turn to Philippians chapter three. <clears throat> Uh, Philippians chapter 3. Now, I'd like to ask you a question, and I'd like you to think about this for just a minute. If I put a piece of paper in your hand, and I ask you, who are you? What would you write down? Uh, I'll give you, you know, a lot of people think about that. Somebody said, well, I fly an airplane, so I would be a pilot. Or... You know, I keep books a lot, and I do that, so I must be a, an accountant or something like that. And uh, Somebody says I win at most things I do, so I'm a winner. Somebody else says I fail at everything I do, so I'm a loser. So I'm asking you, who are you? Who are you? Think about that. Now, we're going to come to Philippians 3, but before we do, I want you to answer that question from the Word of God. Because I want to tell you, most of the time, <clears throat> when we answer the question, who we are, we look at a secular setting. Do we not? You're right. The very first thing that we look at is a secular setting. And we answer that like people that are secular 
would answer that. I'm a teacher. Or, I'm a preacher. Or, as I said, we get emotional more than anything else. And I'm afraid that somebody said that over 70% of the people in America today answer most questions like that with emotion. That means they say, I'm a winner or a loser. Or I'm always behind time or, or something in a negative context. Now, let me ask you this, a different question. How many of you know the Lord is your Savior? You know you're saved. All right? Now, we, everybody raise your hand. We ought to answer that question identical. <laughs> we are identical. You say, wait a minute. <laughs> you don't mean winners or losers? No. Uh, uh, a mechanic or a plumber? Nope. Turn to with me for just a minute to 1 Corinthians. And look at 1 Corinthians. We will talk about this new year and revitalization of the church and being what we need to be. We'll talk about that a little bit, but we're going to put it in context if I can. 1 Corinthians, keep your finger in Philippians chapter 3 and turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. How many of you have 1 Corinthians chapter 6? All right, good. Look at verse 19. Look at verse 19. What? That's a question. Here's a question in one word. I like that. I like writing that way. What? Know ye not that your... Next word. Body. Now this is Sunday school so we can talk. So what's the next word? Body. How many of you have a body? <laughs> okay. I just want to make sure you're here. All right. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is where? In you. in you. This is written to Christians. And when you got saved, Holy Spirit came inside and made residence within your body. Your body is a temple. All right? This temple which you have of God, and you're not of your own, but you have been... How come I don't belong to myself? Because I've been purchased. Right, right. I have been bought with a... What was the price? What was the price that was paid? Shed blood of Christ. So Jesus paid a price. The minute we get saved, we place our faith in Him. We have been bought. Therefore, glorify God. And here it is again in your what? Body. So actually, who are you? You are a body that belongs to God. Right. Somebody said it. I like the way they said it. They said, we're saved by grace for glorious purposes. Amen. That's a good, isn't that a good statement? Amen. We're saved by grace for glorious purposes. Now, let me ask, does God have a plan for your life? Yes. yes. When did he establish that plan? Way back before the earth was created. Right. In the mind of God, God's got a plan. Right. Now, it doesn't mean that we always surrender to that plan. Right. But if we surrender our body to Him, and I, I don't have time to go to Romans 12, where the Bible talks about transformation of mind and uh, our body. And the, but that word body, is, it's, it's uh, very profitable for you to study that in the New Testament. Because our body belongs to God. Amen. I got word early this morning, about 15 minutes before I left for Sunday school, that one of the closest friends I got in the ministry, Sandy Sieber in Kansas City, uh, on the Kansas side of Kansas City, 
He died yesterday. And uh, one of the most energetic pastors I've ever known. And just a close, close friend, one of the closest friends I've had. And uh, I could not help but think that right now he's in the presence of God. And it's a little sorrow for we that are left behind. Yes, sir. But until we get there, we got a body. Now, what we do with that body, there's a lot of scripture that helps us, and that's what we're going to deal with in Philippians a little bit. So, I've got to recognize that I'm not a loser or a winner. I'm not a mechanic. I'm not a preacher. I'm not a plumber. I'm not an electrician. We got a temple. And according to the Bible, that temple has been made sacred. So, your body's sacred. Right. Because you've been saved. Right. Not sacred because of who you are, or I am, but it's sacred because of the fact that God has saved you and watch inhabited your body. Right. The Holy Spirit lives within you. And God doesn't make you to be, God doesn't come in as a dictator. God comes in and wants you to love Him and wants you to surrender to Him and to serve Him, right? right. Now, this is still Sunday school. <laughs> I'm kind of laying a platform here a little bit. All right, so what do we do? Well, we ought to understand God's got a plan for us, and that's what we want to talk about. And I wish I had a lot of time to share some of the research on what's happening in America and where we are, and I'm not talking about the, the virus. I mean, I'm going to throw that aside. I'm not talking about any of that. What I'm talking about is this nation is really in trouble as far as our churches are concerned. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. They really are. Uh, you can go to the Middle East. You ever thought of this? You can go to the Middle East and you go into Israel and, and that's a wonderful thing to go. But you know, when you go to the Middle East, and I don't want to do this, you go to Italy, you go to London, you, you go to place, some of these places in the Middle East, what do people want to visit? America. America. Uh, what do they want to visit? Beautiful cathedrals. Yeah. Beautiful churches. And it's a good thing to tourist visit them because nobody else does. Uh, right. Churches are... None exists in Europe. We're pretty close to that in America. Yes, right. You're right. Yes, sir. We really are. Not because of the virus. Right. Not because who likes masks and who doesn't like them. Not because of Democrats and Republicans. Right. <laughs> but we're in a condition we are because we need to recognize that God's got a plan and we've got to get back to His plan. Yes, sir. And do the things He wants us to do. So, we got a great opportunity in 2022. I think to use the word revitalization in a biblical context and understand we need revival. And revival is something we've got to have every day, and it's not going to start by the preacher getting right with God. That has to happen, and I have to be right with God. But it's going to happen by the pews and the people that are in the seats understanding they're as important to the ministry as the pulpit is. You ever thought about this? <laughs> you know, you know <laughs> Yeah, I, sometime I do this in church. I said, would everybody stand who's not a preacher? <laughs> then I sit down. <laughs> and I said, you're the important people in church. Without you, there'd be no missions. That's right. You're right. Without you, there'd be no bus ministry. Yes, sir. Without you, there'd be no Sunday school. Mm. Without you, there'd be no, can I, how many understand where I'm at here? Yes, sir. So, you know, but in America today, in our churches, we have become a spectator group of people. Right. We come and watch it happen. Where we ought to be making it happen. Okay? With that kind of a little bit as, a, as an introduction to what we want to talk about, I want to talk about how to make the most of your life. How to make the most of your life. And I'm talking about 
this temple that you've got and what you've got as far as your temple is concerned and using that to the glory of God. And I want to read these verses. Are you with me in Philippians? Yes. I've lost my place, so I'll find it here real fast. All right, Philippians chapter 3. Look at verse 12. I'm going to read this a little bit slow. We're so familiar with it that we read it too fast sometimes. Let's, let's go real slow. Not, now this is Paul, the Apostle Paul, writing the church of Philippi, in a way he's testifying. And Paul said, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect or mature, but I follow after, if that I may be, I may apprehend that which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Now that's a little hard to read, isn't it? You, you get tongue-tied reading that a little bit, that apprehend, apprehend, you know. But look at what he's saying. Paul said, I follow after, verse 12, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Now, here's what that statement means. Paul said, Christ Jesus has apprehended or set or he has a plan for my life. Jesus has done that. Paul said, now, my desire as an individual is that I can apprehend or know or perform that which he has apprehended for me. And the word apprehended throws us a little bit back of the forward. What he's simply saying is the plan that God has for my life, I want to know as much about it as I can Amen. so that I can accomplish that plan with this temple, yes, sir. with this body. That was his desire. Now, in order to achieve that, we have a lot of help in the next two verses. Next two verses are great verses. Look at verse 13, brethren. I count not myself to have apprehended. Now, I don't know about you, but I would think if there's anybody that was close to the will of God, be the Apostle Paul, wouldn't you think so? Yes, yes. I mean, good night. You know, I've known some tremendous Christians down through the years. I think of Lee Robinson. I think of John R. Rice. I think of Jerry Falwell. I think of a lot of people. Somebody mentioned Lester Roloff. Who mentioned that yesterday? But uh, there we go. Lester Roloff. I think of a lot of I think of Harold Seidler. I think of great Christians. And you say, well, those guys, <laughs> boy, they knew the will of God. I think they would say the same thing the Apostle Paul is. I'm, get, I, I'm trying to do the best I can, but I haven't really obtained yet. Right. And can I jump out a little bit without insulting you and saying, including myself, there's nobody in this room that has obtained yet. Right. 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 We're not there yet. That's right. And that's a good thing. I mean, by that, it's not, we're just sitting up here and saying, well, we're already here. It's all over. No, we got great days ahead. Yes, sir. I want to tell you, God has more than he can do this year than we can even think or imagine. So Paul said, look at the beginning in verse 13, I count not myself to apprehended. No, I haven't done it. He said, but I'm going to tell you this one thing I do. He said, forgetting those things that are behind mm -hmm. and reaching forth unto those things that are before, I press toward the mark for the prize. You ever notice that word prize? I was preaching in church one time and a guy came up to me afterwards and I, I was, we were preaching in a crusade. And I forget exactly, I think it was the New Testament. If you bring so many visitors to visit the church and bring your friends so many, I'm going to give you a New Testament tomorrow night. It's like, if you, you know, trying to incentive, try to get people to come. 
Somebody walked up to me and said, I don't like that. I said, you don't like what? Rewarding people for doing something. I said, well, take it up with God. Don't take it up with me. He started the president. You ever studied the word reward in the Bible? Does God reward Christians? Yes. Well, what's wrong with us rewarding Christians? Isn't it something how we get off on these tangents on the side and try to pour water on everything that's gone good? We need to get to the point that we do everything we can to get lost people in church. Amen. We do everything we can to recognize this man doesn't have to stand up and preach just to Christians. Is the, let me ask you, is the church, is the church a, a country club for saints or is it a hospital for sinners? <laughs> Which one is it? <laughs> Well, it's all right to be a country club a little bit once in a while and get, get ourselves refreshed a little bit and get excited and shout the glory and raise our hands and thank God for good music and all of that. Nothing wrong with that, but I'm going to tell you what, uh, we ought to have some lost people get saved. Right. Yeah. After all, that's what it's about, isn't it? Yes, right. And uh, we've got to do that. So you look at that, look at that word prize. Paul said, here's Paul saying, I'm a very, this guy told me, people that do things for prizes are immature. I said, well, that was the Apostle Paul, evidently. Because look at what he said in this verse. I pressed toward the mark for the prize. You know what he wanted to hear? Best prize you'll ever hear? Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Amen? Amen. That's great. Now, I want to give you a couple of things to think about. I believe that if we're going to make the most of our life and do what we want to do, and I'm talking about me, I'm talking about you, I'm talking about all of us, because we're in this together. We're supposed to be getting the gospel to every creature. So we got to open countries up. We got to, we got to hit America. I was sharing with a preacher yesterday, uh, Brown Treadway, who is working with us in the ministry now, who the Lord willing, when he gets ready for take me, Brother Brown's at the point he's ready to go without us missing a lick and go somewhere. And I don't know when that's going to happen. Right now, I feel like it's another 40 or 50 years. I'm ready to go, but you never know. How many folks understand that? You just don't know. You thank God for health. Thank God for what you're doing. You don't want to slow down. Don't want to stop. But when God says that's enough, He takes you. Right. 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 And we got to plan and be ready to go. We really have, and we got to work at it. Because the biggest business in Lexington is not the mayor's office or the police department, or Bojangles, or Walmart. It's the local church. Right. This church is the biggest business in this area. Amen right here. And if we don't see that, then we're going to just travel along and not be interested. And you know how we grow, how we reach people? One by one. Everybody working on one more person, one more person, one more person. So let me give you some things. First of all, if we're going to make the most of our life, we've got to deal with that spirit. That's the first thing I have to deal with my spirit. In other words, be teachable. And Paul's talking about that. I count not myself to have apprehended. We need to be teachable. And uh, ask yourself the question, am I teachable? Well, I've been, I, somebody asked me recently, uh, our pastor over at Gantt Street, every time I get up and preach, it kind of, I don't, I like it and don't like it. How long have you been preaching? Then the first thing up, this guy's been preaching 142 years, you know? <laughs> Something like he don't say that, but he says gives the after year. And, and you know, you think, I thought years ago, when I was the age of your pastor, I thought by the time I got 40 or 50, I'd know a whole lot more about the ministry. I feel sorry for the people. I pastored when I was younger. <laughs> we just worked. 
And we cranked. We went. And I didn't know a whole lot, you know. And now, you know what? I think I know less today than I knew then. <laughs> you never attain. Yes, sir. We got to be teachable. We got to read, right? Yes, sir. We got to have a spirit that's teachable. I count not myself to have apprehended. Look in the mirror once in a while and say, I have to do this one. Hey, David, you don't know it all. Mm. We got to say that. We got to be teachable. We got to be humble in spirit. Yes, sir. So our spirit's got to be that way. Let me give you a little axiom that's really good. Everybody knows something I don't know. Right. Therefore, everybody is my teacher and I'm a student of all people. Right. Amen. The guy that hadn't been to high school, that's lived 30 years, he knows a whole lot. Contrary to what they want to say in America today, he's probably got more common sense than a lot of people who graduate from college. And you know what's the problem of common sense in America? It's how uncommon it is. <laughs> right? I mean, I'm just saying, let's be teachable. Let's learn. Let's be the kind of people that can do that. And you know what that is? That's your attitude. When you're teachable, that affects the kind of attitude you got. Do you know what attitude is? <laughs> attitude is your outward expression of your inward feeling. That's what the attitude is. People read the outside what you feel on the inside. I, I use this a lot. I think your attitude is your John the Baptist. You say, what do you mean it's your John the Baptist? Well, every time John the Baptist came on the scene, he came as a forerunner of Christ. Every time your attitude comes on the scene, it arrives before you do. Have you ever heard somebody saying, so-and-so is going to be there? And you say, oh, my goodness. <laughs> that's, the, that's the attitude you're thinking about. You know, or somebody says, that person is going to be there. Man, I can't wait to see them. It's your attitude. Amen. And that depends on this spirit that we've got. Right. So we've got to have a teachable spirit. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Second thing you've got to deal with, you've got to deal with your spirit. And this is a big one. You've got to deal with your past. You must deal with your past. And... Um, I could stay here the whole time, and I'm going to finish on time. And What, about 10 minutes before, so we can at least take a break before the service starts. But um, I want you to think about that, deal with your past for just a minute. Look at what Paul said. I like his, this one thing I do. It's like he's saying, um, folks, I have to focus on this. Mm. This is very, very important. And what's the next word? This one thing I do, I deal with the things that are behind. Is that what he said? I remember the things that are behind. Is that what he said? No, that's what we do. Right. What did he do? Forget. He forget. How come you can forget? Now, wait a minute. How many of you have a past? First of all, how many folks have a past? <laughs> if you didn't raise your hand, you're in trouble. <laughs> we all got a past. I don't know how you are. But if I knew there was somebody who knew everything I've ever done in my past, and they were going to stand here and read to you everything I've ever done in my past, I would not be here this morning. <laughs> how many of you like me, you wouldn't be here either, right? Yeah, right? That's your past. So how come Paul could say, somebody raise your hand and tell me, how come Paul could say, I forget the past? What? I held a cloth, and he may have thrown a stone or two and killed Stephen, but he forgot it. He's forgotten about it. Now, I'm going to tell you who hadn't forgotten is the devil. That's right. right. The devil hadn't forgotten it. The devil said, Paul, you low-down dog, you just picked up a rock and threw it and hit Stephen in the head. That's what the devil wants to do. But Paul said, I'm going to forget the past. How come he could legitimately forget the past? Somebody raise your hand and tell me. How can you forget the past? 
Don't bring it up. I, I know you know. You just all right, that's good. And one word we could get to that is what? Forgiven. And, and if we ever get a real good concept of forgiveness, because the Bible says the minute you got saved, God forgave your sin. That's past, present, and future. And the Bible teaches when God forgives, He cleanses. So you're being cleansed. Right? Right? Yes, sir. And God said, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed, not north and south, which, you know, circular can be joined, but east and west, which go in direction, they're separate directions. So God's removed. He's put your sin and buried it in the deepest sea. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I like this one. He remembers it no more. Amen. Right. Right. Now, how many of you have ever... Uh, got the impression, and I'm going to say guilty to this because I did, and I preached a long time, and I hope I didn't necessarily preach this, but I may have given this impression. If I did, I was wrong. But how many of you had the impression at some point, or you believed, or you might pretty well think of that now, and haven't studied it through, that the judgment seat of Christ as a believer, as a Christian, you're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ. Everything you've ever done is going to be made public. I'm raising my hand. How many folks kind of felt that way? Do this or let me know. Yeah. yeah. That's not going to happen. No, sir. And praise the Lord. Amen. I like what Curtis Hudson said about that. Amen. Curtis Hudson said, if everything I've ever done, if it was made public at the judgment seat of Christ, he said, I'd be too ashamed to stand up and my mom would take a broom and beat me to death. <laughs> <laughs> That's about the truth, isn't it? Yes, right. Now, wait a minute. If... The simple answer is, you say, well, isn't that going to happen? No, that's not what the judgment seat of Christ is all about. It's what you've done with your temple. Yes, sir. Right. You're right. It's how you invest your life. Mm. It's what you do with your life to send something before you. Yes, sir. That's good. Preacher. And you have three things to invest, only three. Time, our money, our treasure, and our... You think I'm going to say talents, don't you? And that's a good one, and I believe that's true, but it's your energy. Your energy, the energy you have. You get up every day, you have so much energy you can use. What do you spend it on? What do you argue about? What do you propagate? What do you get done? What do we use ourselves for? How are we investing our time? So Paul said this. He said, I can forget those things behind because God remembers them no more. Now, can I ask you? If God remembers them no more, how can he bring them up at the judgment seat? Yes, sir. You're right. Think about that for a minute. That's good. Praise the Lord for forgiveness. That's all I want to say. <laughs> forgiveness. Say that word with me. It sounds good. Say it. Forgiveness. How many folks are forgiven? Amen. That's enough to go home and glorify God about right there for the whole day, isn't it? Amen. So that's forgetting those things that are behind. So how am I going to make the most of my life every day? I got to be teachable. I got to deal with my spirit. Every day, I got to not let the devil dredge up the things. In all the years I've pastored, in all the years I've been in evangelism, I can tell you the most, the thing that Satan has used to defeat people more than anything else is the past. That's right. I cannot do this. Look how wicked I am. I cannot do this. Look how bad I've been. And I want to tell you, everybody has a past. Yes, sir. Right. Yes, sir. And thank God it's forgiven. Now, number three, we deal with our spirit, we deal with our past. Number three, we deal with our heart. 
we did with our heart. He said, forgetting those things that are behind, I reach, I reach. I like that. I reach forth. You deal with your heart. That's your vision. That's what you're passionate about. What's the greatest passion in your life? I wish I could honestly tell you. It's going to sound funny maybe for me to tell you this a little bit. But uh, I wish I could honestly tell you the greatest passion of my life every day is to help win others to Christ. That'd be a great thing to have a passion about. Pastor and I went up to a steakhouse yesterday and bought a big steak for lunch Amen. at Bojangles. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> they have that dirty rice is good. I like that. Amen. How many have ever eaten it there? I, I like. And you say, well, you need some protein. That's the reason I got some beans. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. And so, and we met the manager and was able to lead the manager to Christ and uh, one of the ladies that works there to Christ Amen. yesterday. So, I, but you say, well, the soul winning comes easy, you know. I, I, God has to check me all the time to get back to it, get back to it, get back to it, get back to it. We need to be passionate. We need to have a heart. We need to have a vision. And uh, I tell you, one of the toughest things for us, where God is blessing so much in India. God has blessed us so much in Africa. And He's blessed us so much in Latin America. And now, Brian is opening up New Guinea, where he was a missionary. I don't know if y'all knew that or not, you that know him. But he, he, 21 years ago, he left New Guinea and done a tremendous job as a missionary. And now he's got all of that ready to go in May. And we keep looking at all these different things. And it's hard for us to be as passionate as we ought to be about everything. You know, but we need to be passionate about getting the gospel to every creature. That's what I focus on. God said get the gospel to every creature. That means our neighbor. And uh, I got neighbors I need to work on more. Have you? Okay. And you've got friends you need to work on. You've got family you need to work on. So yep. this whole thing of your heart, he said, reaching forth unto those things that are before. That's your heart. What's before us? we got all this year. We had a young, uh, young teenage girl that was in Myanmar. And they don't speak our language. We had to do things translation. And we had a, had a lady that she went home as a grandmother to win her folks to Christ one night, walked home. And she won her teen, teenage granddaughter to Christ. She went to a public school there. Public school is a government school, not like ours. They, you know, they had to pay for it. In addition to that, they have military there. I mean, it's a military dictatorship like Cuba. So this young lady came back and she just got saved the night before grandmother wanted to Christ. She learned the 13 point plan. She learned how to win somebody to Christ had a card in their own language. She took it back to school, and she won 11 of her schoolmates to Christ. Amen. And that's in another country. You can't do that in America, can you? And you say, well, if I start trying to win my schoolmates to Christ, they kick me out of school. That'd be a pretty good thing to happen. I don't see any problem with that at all. I don't mean insolent. I don't mean go against authority. Right. <laughs> But they need to know somebody believes the gospel and these people get to get saved. Sure, Amen. Amen. So we've got to somehow or another have a vision to reach forth. Um, we need America divided into four. We discussed this a little bit. We need our nation divided into four different sections. Uh, we need, God needs to give us a leader in every section to do what we're doing in America, what's happening in India. We've trained 18,000 national pastors in India 
And I came home about two years ago and got our folks together in leadership and said, we can't do that there and let America go to hell. We got to reach this nation. Yes, Amen. But God's got to use somebody else, hasn't he? God don't want you to be part of it, does he? Think about that. If you don't do it, who's going to do it? If I don't do it, who's going to do it? So we got one day at a time to use. You say, well, I'm not important. Yes, you are. You, get, you can reach somebody this preacher can never talk to. He has no influence on it at all. You got your neighbors and others. And everything is always one by one. We reach people around us. We do something. So our heart, we got to have a vision. Number four, I want to try to finish, so I'm going to go kind of, got two more things to give you. Number four, we got to deal with our flesh. It's a tough one. We got to deal with our flesh. Let me tell you about the flesh. You were born with it. <laughs> you got a body. That body grew up. It's who you are. You got saved, and the Holy Spirit came to live within it. He sanctified. Now you got a temple. Praise God for that. But it doesn't turn, it doesn't turn off the, flat, the flesh that you've got. Right, you're right. It doesn't negate the flesh. The flesh is lazy. That's right. You're right. Amen. Amen. Flesh doesn't want to read the Bible. The flesh doesn't want you to witness. The flesh said, you know, I have tried since I was 30 years old to exercise, and I still do it. But flesh doesn't want me to exercise. Does it? Does your flesh love to exercise? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mine doesn't. People look at me sometimes and say, that comes easy for you, and I want to hit them. Because <laughs> it doesn't come easy. You have to make yourself do it. That's right. right. You got to make yourself. Because the flesh, look at the flesh like something you have to drag around with you. Thank God one day you're going to drag it along. God's going to take you home, give you a brand, and it's going to be a brand new body up there. Arthur won't be in heaven with you. Amen. And I mean Arthur. I'm talking about arthritis. Yes, arthritis won't be in heaven. How many of you glad for that one? Amen. Amen. You're going to get a new body. And I like to, you know, we used to sing gospel song. I'm going to get a new body. And remember that one, you know, and you have to move a little bit. And that's the truth. You're going to get a new body. And we ought to be glorifying God because of that. Yes, sir. And it's a, it's a great thing. But the flesh, and if you look at what he said, I press towards the mark. I did a little research on that. That word press, uh, I don't know how to give you a better example of that. That word press is like if you'd look at a, uh, an Olympic weightlifting contest where you got this big burly guy laying down on a bench and he's got bars that so much weight on his bent like that and he's got his arms you know wrapped with white tape and he's got chalk on his hands and he's got that bar how many of you ever seen him over that bar and he's going like that he's pressing right. trying to press that weight upward and that's the way we have to deal with that flesh yes. that's what that word press it means he said Forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forth on those things that are before. Verse 14, I press towards the mark. I press towards the mark. The mark is here. I press. And so it's, it takes dealing with the flesh. More, it's a whole lot more I'd like to talk about that. But I think we need to understand that. Let me give you a couple words. Maybe we've got time to give you these words. I think there's some, something I need. If I'm oppressed and keep ahead of my flesh, I need inspiration. Yes, sir. Mm. Somebody raise your hand quickly and tell me what inspires you. What inspires you? What gets you motivated a little bit? Nobody want to tell me? <laughs> Good night. 
What color gets you motivated more than any other color? I'm giving you a little hint here. What color? Purple? Is that purple or blue? I don't know what it is. Okay. June's on me all the time. I said, and I mean, it, she said, that's all white. I said, it's either white or it's black. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm not good on colors, but I do know I like red. You know, what motivates you? What about gospel music? How many people get motivated by gospel music? Now, you know, Sometimes we Baptists, we come to church and our music is a little like this. We get in the car and it's a little bit more like this, you know. And I don't know about you, but I want to move until I die, don't you? Yes. I want to get excited a little bit here and there a little bit. That's the reason most Christians listen to country music because they want to listen to something that gets them excited a little bit. Listen to some good gospel music. Get the message on. Amen. Let it do something for you. What inspires you? We need to be inspired. Uh, you say, if you will deal with the flesh, and I'm going to give you four things here. You need to be inspired, and you need to deal daily with what inspires you. You also need to be educated. Always read. See, that's your spirit is inspiration, but your mind is the education. You need to keep your mind sharp. Keep your mind as sharp as you can. Read things that challenge you, that make you think. Number three is motivation. We need to be motivated. Motivated is the outward thing that motivates us. I tell leaders sometime in church clinics, and we talk about where do we get our leaders? We recruit, we train, and we Baptists forget this sometime, but we need to motivate people. Yes, sir. We need to motivate. When I pastored, there was a guy named Carl Hatch. Anybody ever heard that name? Mm -hmm. Have you ever Carl Hatch? Carl Hatch is one of the greatest motivators I've ever heard in my life for soul winning. Yes, sir. How many of you would agree with that? Yes, sir. Greatest thing. I used to tell Carl, he said, well, we're going to train them how to win people to God. My boys could, my boys can imitate Carl Hatch and give you his whole life story on a record. John, my youngest son, could call Carl Hatch's wife. I had him do it on the phone while we were traveling together some and pretend to be Carl and sound so much like him, his wife would think it was Carl. Carl Hatch, my kids love Carl Hatch. Carl, I'm going to tell you how to win people to Christ. you got to win people to Christ. Last week I was down on the, on the 12th floor up here, and he gave you a story how he won somebody to Christ. I got an elevator that won somebody to Christ. I said, Carl, when are you going to train them how to win people to Christ? That's what I'm doing. I said, no, no, you're motivating them. And from that I got a great axiom that I've used in the ministry, inspiration. Well, that education leads to frustration. If, you inspire, if you're going to train, you know, recruit people, you got to train them. But then you got to motivate them too. Now, I had Carl in once a year when I pastored. You know why? Motivate our people. You say, couldn't you do it? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm here all the time. You know, they need somebody once in a while to motivate them. Amen. Amen? Just yeah. to motivate people. And so motivation is it. And let me give you another one. This is a good one for us, and, and it's celebration. Celebration is praising God. Praising God. We praise God. We look at the beauty around us. We ought to praise God. You ever thought about this? <laughs> if there's beauty in a ray of the sun, the sun must be unbelievable. If one ray of the sun can bring all this beauty to this earth through what we know as colored leaves, if one ray could do that, how powerful must the sun be? Yes. And let me tell you, if God can create this earth, which is a small portion of this universe, 
How big must God be? Yes, sir. Think about that for a minute. Now we need to worship Him. We need to celebrate that we serve a great God. And we sing, How great thou art, and ought to say, Whoa, He is great. That's right. Amen. So, if you're going to keep under the flesh, I'm just giving you inspiration, education, motivation, and celebration. We need some of that. Let's deal with one more, then we'll quit. And uh, it's this. How am I going to make the most of my life this year? How are we going to see? How many of you would like to, honestly, like to see this church have a real big problem? And I mean by that, not be able to seek the people that came to hear the gospel. Would that be a good problem to have? How many like to see that kind of problem? Well, you know, it's not going to happen unless we make things. We've got to go out and reach people one by one and bring them. And you know, who, you know what the best advertisement for this church is? Let me tell you, you've got a media person back there that churches would die for. I'm going to tell you, I've got to know her a little bit. Amen. I'm talking about she knows what she's doing. Yes, and I don't mean I know what she's doing. I don't. She knows a whole lot more about it than I do. I'm just trying to tell you, she knows what she's doing. Thank God for that. Yep. And as important as that is, that's not the greatest advertisement for this church. You know what the greatest advertisement for the church is? A satisfied member. A satisfied customer. Somebody's up, boy, you good night you got to hear my preacher. Woo, that place is exciting. Our music. And that guy plays piano. I don't know. He plays black keys and white keys and spaces. Man, this is great. We got a great church. We got something going on over there. You need to be more. Well, I don't see many churches like that. We got a friend visiting from Florida sitting back, and I told her about the church here, and she said, have any people come to church? It must be a large church. I said, it is. Somebody say amen. Amen. Right? You see what I'm saying? You got to get excited where you are right. and let it go. Don't say, I'm going to get excited once we get here. No, you got to get excited where you are. Right. And let God just kind of let it leak out of you all the next six days and do what you can to bring people in. So, the last thing we got to do is this. If I'm going to deal with my flesh and do something, if I'm going to accomplish what I need to, I've got to set. I don't know how to say this in a different, I must set my future today. I must determine, and by my future, I mean, when I stand before the Lord Jesus one day, I got to determine today what I want it to be like. You say, well, I got plenty of time to think about it. I doubt that. <laughs> we don't have a lot of time to think about that. That's right. So, what is it going to be like when we stand before Jesus? You say, we, we can sing about the new day coming and I'm thinking about one of these services. I don't know. I doubt I'll do it in the morning service, but, but I'm thinking about preaching on end times and how quick the Lord's coming back and what God's timetable is. It's one of the most exciting things we could understand. But as soon as the trump sounds, and we start preaching on the trump sound, dead in Christ arise first, and we're going to lie. Everybody, hallelujah, hallelujah. But wait a minute. When you stand before Him, what do you want it to be like? Do we really want to hear, well done? We talked about the value of one yesterday and the influence one person can have. Do we want that to be a lot of people in heaven because of us? Amen. Well, if we do, you know what? We've got to set our future today. Today. Not tomorrow. Not next week. We've got to determine today. We've got to live today for how we want that future to be when we get before the Lord. That's what he said when he said, I'm reaching forth unto those things that are before. I press towards the mark 
for the prize of the high calling of God. He was setting his future right then. When I get before the Lord, I want to hear that well done, that good and faithful servant. I want to accomplish what God has set for me. I want to do it again. I'll give you a short illustration. We'll be finished. George Truitt, how many folks ever heard of George Truitt? He lived years and years ago. He took uh, that great First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas, and a pastor did a wonderful job. Back when Baylor University down in Waco, Texas, when Baylor University was a, a firebed for the gospel, which it's not today. But when it first started, it was. A lot, a lot of institutions in America were started by some guys on fire for God. And one of them at that time, down there, you can go to Baylor. I've been down there and read it. You can go look at the brass plaque for George Truett that's down there. And the evangelistic one they hadn't taken it off. There's so much gospel in it. But it's, George Truett is a great guy. So he came as a younger preacher, First Baptist Church. And when he took that church, he started preaching. And a man came up to him and said, Brother Truett, I've been a member of this church a long time. And he said, I, I'm just telling you that I've given a lot of money to this church, and uh, I'm influential in First Baptist Church. And he said, well, that's great. I want you to have lunch with me one day. He said, okay. So after Sunday service, one Sunday he went home with his rancher. He went out there, and the rancher took him outside after he ate. And he said, now, Pastor, he said, uh, I want you to look north. And he looked north, right out of Dallas, up through there, right in between Dallas and Fort Worth. Back in the days, and the airport wasn't there, and all those kind of things, you know. And he said, what do you see? He said, it's just empty land up there. And I see some cattle up there. He said, preacher, as far as you can see, I own that. Every as far as you can see. He said, wow. He said, now I want you to look to the west. He looked this direction. He said, what do you see? Same thing. He said, man, it just stretches out. He said, as far as you can see, I own that. He said, now turn south. And he turned south, same thing. As far as you can see, I own it. He said, now turn west. He said, now, it's the only direction you can see downtown Dallas. I mean, to the east, it's the only direction I don't own everything. But he said, if you'll turn all the way around, preacher, I own about everything in every direction you see. Said Dr. Truist stood there a minute and said, sir, I have but one question. What? How much do you own in that direction? Mm. That's good. Because I will tell you, it's not how much. Thank God we own houses. Yes, sir. Right. And thank God for good houses. Thank God for cars. Thank God for all of this. But in the final analysis for eternity, it's what we own in that direction that counts. Is it not? Right. Let's pray for a minute, can we? And end of Sunday school and morning service starting about 10 minutes or so, or maybe quicker. But... Think about this with me for just a minute. How many right now would just say, and I'm going to say join me in saying, God, I want to make the most out of my life I can this year. How many folks kind of feel that same way? Hold your hand up for just a minute. Would you just say, God, if you'll help me to do it, I'm going to need your guidance, your help. I can't do it without you. Thank you. Father, thank you for the few minutes we've had together. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com.